Who is the one who gets to assassinate the uh, man who must die? All right. Yeah, I am. Great recording. I believe so. But what are they? Be sure all cigarettes are out before discarding them. I say, oh, I should have sent something in. Well, he's what Laurel and Hardy together get a big kick out of it. I hate TV commercials. He broke his back because she's left him. Yes, when he seen what happened was he had a donut in his right hand pocket. And when he went to take it off with his left hand, he broke his back. She vanished without a trace. Uh, Maybe he had to go outside for something. The good stuff keeps coming. And they never find out what happens. Now, I don't know about you, but that would be scary to have Pinocchio at my house. He just didn't feel well enough to go. So my lexicon not so wide and vulgar yet. Your... Your... Lexicon? Corporate oligarchy with, um, uh, with puppet elections. You know, uh, November 5th is the, uh... Oh, uh, what's it called? The Vendetta Day. Uh, I can't remember the name of the. This is insane. It is so great. Some people didn't even know know what it was. I'm like, how did you not know about the Wienermobile? And it really was fun. I mean, just looking at this is like blowing my mind. Fast and fun to read. Yes, I like fruit flavored soda pop. Amazing. Alright. Somebody that made some muffins one time with green beans in them. Actually, not to get off track, but... See you tomorrow. The only reason they seem to be releasing this information now is because tomorrow is a ritual. He got your sleep undisturbed by acid indigestion. Too bad he's so much older than you are. I haven't set any New Year's resolutions, so... At one point, it was so common... I've been locked inside your heart-shaped face for days. It comes down to it. Is this whole world a trick? Picked up $3.45 for a burger, fries, and a large. Escuchamos en radio inspirado proyecto con Kate Jones. so good to be here in the studios i've been doing this podcast on anchor fm it's a free podcast service it automatically uh, uploads to itunes which then means you can get an rss feed which then means you can take that rss feed copy and paste it and uh put it into a whole bunch of podcast directories which helps helps get your podcast out there to a wider audience to many folks who love here listening to podcasts. A lot of folks just love listening to podcasts. So 
Why not? Why not give them what they want? Why not give them what they want? They're clamoring for it. They, you know, they're scraping down the doors. Why not? Why not give them what they what they're looking for? Give them a nice, nutritious, delicious podcast filled with giblets, morsels, and other succulent flavors, zestiness, zestiness, and tanginess. Do not forget the tanginess. Feels great here to be in the Keqiang Radio Studios. Uh, this is where the true happy accidents are known to happen here in the Keqiang Radio Studios, uh, because sometimes you got equipment that's going to act a little strange. Now, I've, uh, also that's been going on with the podcast, which I want to get back to in a second here. Uh, but first, I just want to say it is great here to have my uh, the first uh, what is it the first and third Monday of each month. It, it just feels so good. To be able to be here in the studio, and Captain Nicholas has entered the building. Oh my God! Good God, ladies and gentlemen, let me give this man a hug. There he is. There he is. I'm saying this to uh, Audacity right now. I don't. I, I blast in. I think we can actually hear it on K Chunk. Cool. I don't know if the nice cast situations, but the cool thing is I got my thumb drive, so I've been saving these and then just uploading it to Mixcloud, so I can. So I at least it's archived. Yeah, and I got it. Oh, dude, no! Don't worry about it, man. No, don't worry about it. I w- I wasn't even. I wasn't expecting, like, I was not expecting you to show up today. I thought for sure you'd be, you'd have a whole bunch of stuff going on. But I do have a Skype uh, coming through. Um, but before I get to that, ladies and gentlemen, this this whole uh, podcast, new podcast situation, Nicholas, there's this thing called Anchor. Holy moly, it's called Anchor FM, Anchor Podcast, uh, Anchor App. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. I've been doing Inspirato Projecto podcast i got about 30 or 40 of them now like you can you can record up to an hour and you can record little tiny bits so you can record record a little bit it'll give you a segment so you could it'll be like and then you could go to the next segment and record another thing so and then you name each of those you upload it immediately goes to itunes immediately goes to itunes and for other podcast sites it goes on to something called homepod uh, it goes to Player FM, I believe. It goes to something uh, Overcast. It goes to like four other things, and then you can link up. What you could do then is you could copy that RSS feed, and go into podcast directories, paste it into there. So now it's in all, all these other podcast directories. I've been going like a freaking madman the past few days. I've been going like crazy, taking that RSS feed and plugging it in there, and then looking up all the different apps, all the different podcast apps, and then if they don't have like a submission contact form. I just look for any sort of email I can, even if it's like jobs, we're hiring, you know, jobs at whatever, whatever. I'm like, hey, here's my RSS feed. Could you please include it? And some of these people, they'd be like, oh, yeah, it's included on the website now. So I'm like, holy shit. And some of that stuff, like people are now able to, like, if they want, they can plug in and they can see it on these other podcast apps. Some of these things I'm looking at, and already there's like 13 listens to them, 14 listens. And I'm going, oh, my God, what the hell? People are listening to this thing already. And then plus you can actually leave messages for people on the podcast. You can actually leave them a little message, and they can include it in their podcast. Oh, my God, I've been going crazy over this thing. So I do podcasts on the way to here. I do it when I'm waiting for the bus. I do it while I'm on the bus. I do it like I interview Uber drivers. Oh, my God, it's just like expanded everything, like hugely. Oh, my God, it's so much fun. I, I encourage any of you guys to uh, to check into this. Now, what we're going to do here, uh, first I'm going to do a uh, another quick promo here, and then um, we're going to uh, – uh, we're going to get with our Skype buddies. So here we go. Hi, this is Jay Ossing from Twin Peaks The Return. You're listening to Inspirato Project. Hi, this is Jay Ossing from Twin Peaks The Return. You're listening to Inspirato Projecto. 
Here's your fun fact. Gone with the Wind is the highest grossing movie of all time when adjusted for inflation. Stay tuned to Inspirato Projecto for more fun facts. We're talking about ozonated water right now. Um, I just got a an ozonator on eBay, and what happens is is it oxygenates the 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 um, the water. So when it goes in your blood, I guess the thing is, is like with diseases and you know colds and all that jazz, they cannot survive with oxygen. Oxygen kills them, okay, you know. Right. So when you ozonate the water, it's like, hey, everybody, you know, we got a lot of oxygen in the house today, and so it just it's like this thing that can help. It helps out tons. Tons of different ailments and stuff. My sister was wrapped up like a burrito. I'll send you the, the model that I have because it's really, you know, and there are tons of other ones out there. Um, but uh, I got the model my buddy was telling me about because he's used it on different occasions to help a lot of people heal their um, ailments, heal their coughs, their colds, and you'd be very surprised by what it can do. Um, that combined with um, um, uh, black seed oil. Black seed oil has been really good. All right, so you guys, we are going to do a Skype session here. Um, we're going to try it. We're going to try it. Let's see. Here we go. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey. Why, yes, it is. I don't, I don't, apparently I don't have a camera on, on my thing, so, um, but you guys are, in fact, on Inspirato Projecto. I got the microphone right up next to you. To um, to broadcast you into the uh, into the ether into the Ethernet. Um, so it's just so kick ass that you guys are on the show. We're right now it's one o'clock uh, nine p.m. here in um, uh, in Los Angeles in Chinatown. So um, what what time is it where you're at, Jason? Three o nine. Oh, three o nine. What time is it where you're at, Orly? Oh, gotcha. So now. Oh, so you must be uh, three hours and nine minutes uh, different. I'm in Miami, Eastern Standard. So, um, wait, hold on. Let me adjust my microphone levels here. Let's see if I got the right one. Let's see. Uh, oh, that's this one. Okay, okay. So, um, all right. So, just so everyone has a context here, um, 
So Jason McNeil, I've known since high school. We were in plays together, and we've done improv shows. We were in a, an improv show called um, the, the Fresh Leftovers, and, uh, and he used to live out here for a time, and we've just caused a lot of fun and hijinks and whatnot. And just, you know, we always keep each other in mind for, for various things throughout the years. And Orly... Um, oh, yeah, and I also got to say that Jason McNeil is a comedian, and he's also a voiceover actor. And so I had him in mind when Orly, when I found out about Orly Rodriguez's, um, uh, my friend Dory, who's been on the show, she told me all about this Twin Peaks virtual reality um, game experience that Orly was putting together. And he was highly inspired by Twin Peaks, and he wanted some voiceover actors to recreate the voices and everything. And I knew that Jason was a big voiceover actor, so I said, okay, well, let's, let's link them together. And now what's so exciting is that we're all, you know, working together on creating this whole other reality experience. It's so exciting to me. Yeah, it's awesome. Love it. So, so, great. so Orly, um, how long have you been a Twin Peaks fan? And then when did you get the idea to do the your virtual reality game um, experience? It was like a, a school project. I was doing a virtual reality boot camp at Game Art Institute. And, um, and my teacher, Eddie Christian, he kind of inspired me to do you know, something different than what I was trying. And, and I had just watched some of uh, the, the return, and I thought, hey, let's, let me do uh, the Black Lodge, right? The Red Curtain. And so I just put it together in a couple of days, and when I saw it in VR, it just, like, blew my mind away. So that's when it started. It was about, like, four and a half months ago. It's interesting because, like, you're, you're sculpting, you know, instead of clay, you're using these little digital pixels and everything. And it was crazy to see the time lapse that you did of Agent Cooper, of how you sculpted his face and everything. How did you... Do you bring, like, a photo in there for a reference? And then uh, can you use that as sort of a mask to lay upon the, the figure? Or do you have to start from scratch? How the heck does that – how do you do that? Yeah, so there's a, an overlay program I use that kind of puts a picture on just to get the reference for the eyes and the nose and the lips. And then I work with just a couple of pictures, side, you know, profiles and um, whatnot, and try and capture the essence of, of the character in um, all the different pictures. quite a process because sometimes like from one picture to another uh, people look completely different right sometimes right they got makeup on or, or their expressions or you know all of that right so but yeah it's, it's, it's a lot of fun i love it well and it's interesting too because you have the older versions uh, uh, how should i say the the season one and season two versions of of these folks and then you know the versions of them now in season three where you know, they might have a, more wrinkles or their hair is different. How do, how do you kind of juggle which version you want to do, or do you try to blend two together? It's kind of like just whatever captures my, my heart at the moment. So I'll, I'll just be looking through pictures. Um, the process is a little different now because we have a storyline, and we're trying to bring in specific characters that are going to be used for the story. But um, at first, it was just a process of, you know, which character really really on my heart uh, it's kind of like Lynch talks about just capturing an idea right just it, co 
and then it just kind of settles there, and, and I just start working on it, um, and just watch it happen. Yeah, it's fun when you're kind of an observer to your own artistic creation, isn't it? Because then you're kind of like, you're sitting in there in the carriage and the horse is running wild and you're going, all right, I don't know where we're going here, but I'm just kind of, I'm just going to kind of buckle down and, and see where this heads, right? Yeah, definitely. My wife is a big help. Um, she's a really good study of character and faces, and so she'll sit there with me and, uh, and then I shoot it online, right? I'm like, what do you guys think? And people will say, hey, the jaw needs to be wider or the nose needs to be bigger and, and that's been kind of the process of, uh, of working on it. Now, um, wh uh, where, did you go to school to figure out how to do virtual reality stuff, or did you just kind of tinker around on your own? How the heck did that happen? That's incredible. Now, you, um, how many writers would you say you have for the archivist? Uh, sorry, say that again. How many writers? How many writers would you say you know that you have for the archivist? Right now, we have three writers. So we have uh, Christopher Emanuelson, we have Kamal, Can uh, Kadar, and we have Jack Price. Uh, and Jack Price is a professional writer. Uh, he's done a number of projects and games and now, is this, um, would you say, sort of an ongoing, because this thing could really go forever, you know, with the imagination and all the different crazy characters, even just little tiny bit parts that you might just see for a little tiny, you know, a few seconds here and there. Um, is this, do you think, an ongoing creation, or do you have sort of an end game as to where you want it to, to uh, tie it itself up? started off um, as, as something else, right? It, initially, it became, from a school project, it became, a, hey, I want to create all the scenes I can from Twin Peaks so that people can see it in virtual reality. And, uh, and so I would just bring in different uh, scenes and try and recreate them. And, uh, and eventually, when Kamal came on and, um, and started talking to me about his vision for it, I realized that kind of a story-driven narrative uh, would be really powerful. And so uh, we brought in Jack Price, and Jack and Kamal started working together. And then we brought in Christopher, and he was like the missing piece. Uh, the missing pieces, right? They just all kind of came together, and, uh, and we got a really powerful story. It was an amazing... Um, it, it's, it's actually it's going to branch off into these 
That's awesome. Now, is this mainly um, an experience where, um, how should I put it? Um, are there choices that the viewer, that the experiencer makes? Uh, like maybe they have to find a key to a door or um, have to search around a little bit to find a secret message. It leads them someplace, uh, any stuff like that? something or, or you're not following the diaries and there's, there's going to be videotapes scattered about with uh, different scenarios in them um, and there's going to be, you know, there's going to be VR interactions which are coming by the end of next week um, where we're, you're going to be able to start interacting with the world opening desk. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So you're really kind of making a choose-your-own-adventure where you're kind of, you're responsible, you know, there are consequences for your yeah. decisions. Yeah. I think those are the best because you can't, they're inescapable. You know, once it's been set, you're like, whoop, sorry, this is the path we're on now. You, you can't, uh, you're on it, man. You're on this train. so kick-ass and just to think this is going to go down into you know the history the twin peaks history this is something that'll like end up in the wikipedia and you know this is going to be i think something that's going to be one of those great um you know like how they come out those star wars books and stuff in between the movies and whatnot you know it's it's this other extra layer of maybe a character that you only saw for a little bit you know i mean look what happened with boba fett who'd have thought that that guy that, that he'd turn into this huge mystery. He was just kind of this dude that was in the background. You know, these are my bounty hunters, and oh, there he is, and uh, off he goes. And <laughs> but um, things like the book, The Archivist, things like the um, Access Guide to Twin Peaks, things like the Laura Palmer Diary, um, all those just add such wonderful webs to everything. And, man, it just helped, like, for instance, for the show, it, it, it helped go, oh, that's why, that's his motivation for why he did that, or... Oh, okay, that's where that guy's been all this time, you know, in between these seasons. Yeah, it's phenomenal. And the show's open. It's, it's incredibly well-crafted and written, and it's full of meaning uh, and depth. But, but it's also open for us to kind of explore it on our own imagination, right, and bring our own interpretation to it, which is a, a really powerful testimony to the, the creative genius uh, of Lynch and Mark, right? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, because there's so many little things in there that can be connected as dots, you know, anything that can be put together as puzzle pieces. And there are bazillions of those, and they all seem to fit with their own particular theories. I mean, it's like, do you choose this Venn diagram of a puzzle to follow, or do you choose this Venn diagram of the puzzle to follow, or do you choose this one? Some of these are overlapping, you know, so it's like, oh, man, it's just so great. So for you to be able to make this video game, it's going to be so cool because it's just going to add this whole other these other extra little pieces to it that is just going to make it so much fun. Now, Jason, um, you've been doing voiceover for, I mean, how many years now? Jeez, oh, I think 2000 is, is when I did my first voiceover. Um, and right around that same time is when I started with stand-up. I mean, uh, previous to that, as you know, Kurt, we did a lot of, a lot of fun improv shows. Um, but, yeah, it's been... This has been quite the journey, and I, I just think even the past couple months I've been a part of it, how far it's come even in the past two months, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. The, the number of people that have come on, like the artists, the, you know, we got a former software engineer from Blizzard who just joined our group, led <laughs> this project, and is working full-time. Like, it's just awesome. Oh, my God. Yeah. Incredible. As you can see, Los Angeles to Florida to Illinois—it's incredible. God, yeah. I just love that technology. And Orly, what's so cool about this virtual reality experience is that this enables you to leave Easter eggs in there for, you know, let's say for other projects that you're working on, or your friends' projects, or you know, maybe there's a, a um, one of your friends is in a band, and you know, maybe someone in the VR game is wearing a T-shirt of that band, or yeah. you know, things like that, where it's like these little nonchalant little little things that if anyone were to research them, they go, oh, my God, this is a thing. This is a real thing. Those are always fun. Um, so, Jason, what um, is this your first sort of virtual reality experience, or have you done something like that before? Really I mean, to be honest with you, and I hate to even say it, but uh, I had, previous to this, I had never even been uh, involved with Twin Peaks. I didn't know much about it. What I do remember is you loving it couple other friends from high school, Jeff Littner, mm -hmm. I remember the two of you loved it, and for whatever reason, I, it just kind of snuck by me. Well, uh, thank goodness for Netflix. <laughs> yes. To catch up, and uh, I am now so upset that I'm just now getting involved. Oh, God, that's so great that you're catching up on all the Twin Peaks, man. Oh. What is that like to be confronted with so much crazy cosmic wisdom and so many great characters? It is just so great how, you know, so many people, you always hear the phrase, oh, that man is so far ahead of his time, you know, whether it be Andy Andy Kaufman, whether it be David Lynch. And then you look at it, I could definitely say that this is is a way that we can actually quantify just how far ahead of time uh, David Lynch was ahead of his time. He was 25 years. Like, how crazy was that that, you know, way back then, all of that stuff would end up. Um, 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 influencing all these other TV shows and reverberating th the spirit reverberating through all these TV shows that 
were influenced by David Lynch, that were influenced by Twin Peaks, that are influenced by, you know, other Lynch movies and projects. And you can see, like, you can see the, um, the pedigree, so to speak, the, um, the ancestry. When you look at some of these TV shows, you go, ah, yeah, that guy's recreating that little scene that I saw in Twin Peaks. Or, oh, he just said a phrase that sounds very similar to a Dale Cooper thing. It's so interesting how you see that. Now, all of a sudden, out comes season three, and it's like, the minds, like the the populace, their brains have been sort of massaged into accepting more and more of these kinds of cosmic theories and um, and you know surrealities and that unapologetic blending of dream life into waking life. It seems like people, you know, are more accepting of that kind of thing. And it was awesome to see season three come out and for it to just shoot those numbers up on Showtime and for them to go okay, maybe this is something we need to pay attention to. You know, maybe maybe we need to really pay attention to this guy. He's got something to say here. Yeah, it's, it's incredible when you think about um, the reality that, that, that the whole scope of TV changed in a moment, right? Because, I mean, you had what? You had Roseanne Barr, you have the Cosby Show. You, like, you didn't have anything anywhere remotely similar to what was happening in Twin Peaks. And Twin Peaks came out as it, it came out yeah i i love how he he you'll see him like repeating these themes of like you know like doppelgangers people with similar names people who kind of look like each other you know just so he can kind of mix up your brain a little bit more i remember when i first started i, I was first introduced to twin peaks through twin peaks fire walk with me that was the very first twin peaks thing that i ever saw and so I saw that movie first, and then I saw the TV show. And so it was interesting to to then watch the TV show through the lens of already knowing who killed Laura Palmer, and looking at it backwards um, through through that, you know, to see like, oh, oh yeah, look at that, you know. Even though way back then they didn't know who the killer was going to be, it was still kind of neat to go, oh, look at that. I could see, I could see how it could be heading in that direction. And watching Twin Peaks Firewalk with me, and just seeing all of the amazing. Like Lil, you know, that's my brother's sister's girl. Oh, dude, that would be so funny if Lil showed up in the archivist. Oh, my God, that would be hilarious. And she's doing her funny little dance, and you have to interpret what the heck that's supposed to mean. And it oh, just so, so brilliant, that movie. And it just oh opened up my brain, and I just immediately started going down the rabbit hole trying to figure out, okay, what, what else, what other Twin Peaks stuff can I can I look at here? Because I remember, because in the movie they're talking about Mike, they're talking about Bobby, they're talking about Mike, Mike and Bob. And you're going, okay, wait, so is Mike and Bob, wait, how are those, are those, so when, when she's saying Bob, is she meaning Bobby or, you know, I just remember it, my head just, it was like a dog chasing his own tail and just trying to figure that stuff out. Yeah, that's great. I love that about the show. And it never ends. Like, if people just keep discovering new stuff, right, and new connections. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Now, Jason, have you gotten on to trying to check out season three? Did you? Well, first of all, I gotta ask you: Did you see season one and two? No, nope. so I'm in the middle of two still right now. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, Jason, but they like David Lynch never, ever, ever, never, ever wanted to solve the mystery of who killed Laura Palmer. He always called it the goose that was laying the golden eggs, and that was going to be sort of this thing that was just reverberating in the background. And what was going to be in the foreground was all these different characters and all these interesting interactions. Well, ABC or whoever was in charge at the time, they go, you need to solve the mystery. You need to solve the mystery. And which is crazy because it was so unfair because that first season was not too many episodes at all. It was maybe six episodes or something. I don't know, right. nine or less or tiny, tiny amount. All of a sudden they wanted to wrap it up and go, 
what the hell? You want me to solve the mystery? And then they solve it, and then now all of a sudden they had season two, and now they had to basically start, you know, hit the reset button and start over and go, okay, now now where do we go from here? <laughs> so that's why it it is the way that it kind of is. And um, I just love the fact that for, for season three, they bring back, they wrap back up Twin Peaks Fire Walketh Me and make that more of a prominent kind of a thing, you know, and sort of explains a little bit what was going on in season two. So it's it's fun to see how Lynch weaves that stuff together. Yeah, great. So Jason, are there other projects that you're uh, working on in addition to, uh, to to the archivist? I remember you're doing, you're telling me you're doing audiobooks too, huh? Yeah, I've done, I've done a couple of those and, and obviously still auditioning for those. Um, and then, you know, uh, Obviously, in the position of raising a family, I, I don't get out as much to do stand-up. I try to at least keep the rust off and get up about once a month. Now, do you ever play any of your um, your your uh, voiceover outtakes? Do you ever play any of those on the microphone during your stand-up? I have not. No, that's not a bad idea. It'd be kind of, I can imagine it'd be kind of funny if you were to uh, blend. I say what? Say it again. Right, that's right, that's right. Well, because it's interesting, because I don't think I've seen any comedians talk about their voice over, you know, the other stuff that they're... Yeah, no, that's true. They tr- I would say they usually try to find something that the audience can relate to, which is most of the time not an artist, right? That's right. Just everyday wor- the everyday working man, so to speak. Yeah, that's which true. I have plenty of those experiences. So you could kind of be like the Bruce Springsteen of stand-up comedians, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Put on six-hour shows for all the blue-collar workers. <laughs> hey, all you blue-collar workers out there, here's another one. If you haven't passed out yet, get ready for hour number five and a half. All right. Put your hands together. You could be that guy. <laughs> That'd be awesome if you start wearing a, a red, white, and blue bandana. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's oh, you do. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. Um, now, um, now, in addition to the voiceover stuff, Jason, what kind of other projects do you think that you'd like to do? Like, what would be your dream role? Would it be maybe in one of those Shrek number five? Uh, would it be um, maybe a Tim Burton stop motion thing? What you know? What are some of the other ideas you like to do? Maybe a Chevy truck commercial. I mean, what are some of your so much different than a, a commercial or something like that so it's been great working with Orly and really trying to figure out what, what is uh, what is Agent Miller thinking at this time where you know he's walking us so you have to put yourself in that situation and I would say that would definitely be the route I would want to go down is more video games or some sort of animation oh man it's just so cool to see the voice matched up with this character that's I mean, it's just brilliant. It's like a true Frankenstein kind of experience. There you are, Orly. You're, you're getting your, you know, your Igors to come swooping in with these various body parts to help this machine move. It's really cool. You know, it's really cool. You've, you've magnetized all these other people into your dream, you know, into this great dream. And how cool is that, that David Lynch's uh, um, um, cosmicality it, it, uh, magnetized this kind of tribe together? 
to want to be able to play within that playground of Twin Peaks. I mean, it's just brilliant. When I saw that uh, video that you made of the landscape, of the landscape of, um, uh, uh, you know, for, oh gosh, what is it, Glastonbury Grove? Or what's it called? Yeah. 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 It's so amazing. Now, how far could a person potentially walk? It, like, how big is that landscape? Like, are we talking 50 acres? Are we talking a couple of acres? Like, how... God, it's so great, man. You're actually you're you're actually bringing these people into a whole nother reality. I mean, a whole nother. It's just, God, it it just it just astounds me thinking about the possibilities of VR, thinking about the educational you know benefits, thinking about the. I mean, even in Glastonbury Grove, you could even hide things. You can imagine you can have like you know, Bobby Bobby plus Laura. You know, Bobby loves Laura. You know, scribbled into a tree or. Um, you know, there's some weird Bigfoot-looking creature that just happens to be standing there near a tree when you walk past it. Or, I mean, there are so many possibilities for you to hide interesting and crazy and intriguing little things that, like, well, okay, so for instance, w if someone were to walk to the edge of Glastonbury Grove, is, do they encounter a fence? Do they encounter a big sign that says, go back? Or does they, you know, like, what, is it, what does that look like to someone? Oh, gotcha. So, I mean, if you go to one end or the other, you're just going to be encountered by rocks that are just closing in the area. But you won't see it because we're we're kind of guiding you through it, right? Oh, okay. So you, you, you pretty much know where you're supposed to be going. Is, yeah, is you're what not going to get lost. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha, right. gotcha. Which sucks. Kind of. You... You posted a really cool thing, a virtual reality kind of talk show kind of thing, which, God, I do got to get a virtual reality headset because it looks so much fun to be able to put something like that on. And, I mean, it's revolutionary because it's, it's, I mean, it's basically like having your own cartoon and putting on a show at the I same can, time. I can just imagine how 
how much you can eventually get to a, a character looking so close to what you look like. I mean, it seems pretty animated right now, but I'm sure the direction that it's going is it'll be as if you're right there in the studio with uh, with the podcasters. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, flip side is what you're talking about that I sent you, right, Kurt? That, that's I think it was, yeah. too because on the thing it was like you could draw things just in midair or you can sculpt things in front of you i mean you could collab imagine that if you got like four or five artists collaborating on some crazy virtual reality sculpture you know on one talk show or <coughs> the idea of being able to put uh video you know projecting video into the thing which is just i just love that that's so kick-ass too um I, it's just it's such a brilliant like, could you imagine just the, the educational benefits where you could get transported into the, you know, crossing the Delaware, for instance, with George Washington and the other dudes, or um, um, uh, being there for the signing of the, the, uh, the, what is it, Declaration of Independence or something, watching it happen, or going... Or, or being like when they killed Kennedy, right? You can just kind oh, of God. go to the different areas and, you know... Oh, man, that would be nuts, dude. Imagine going back in time and you're seeing... Uh, like uh, Da Vinci working on a painting or something. You could just, like, peer over his shoulder while he's doing the, you know. Oh, God, it just, it's just amazing just to think how how far in all the directions you can go. And it's so cool that you're at the, you know, you're basically at the forefront of, of this stuff right now. Yeah, sure seems that way. <laughs> I love it. Fantastic. So how many characters total do, would you say that you have for the archivist? Someone picked Judge Sternwood, which is going to be a lot of fun. Oh, that's great. I love that character, right? 
got the attention that, that he should have gotten. So we're going to bring him in um, and just use his personality and just to, you know, kind of further the story or whatever. So, yeah, it's awesome. How cool, man. Now, you're also working on uh – you're also working on the question, which thank you so much. That, uh, that that's such a I just love cosmic stuff, and to be to be included with the question is just it just feels so, it just feels so cool. The Twilight Zone aspect. How many writers do you have for that? The question is my project, so that's just my my baby. Um, and I realized, you know, kind of managing both projects that once we started getting in, you know, we had like ten staff members, if you want to call it. Um, and the promotional work and, you know, just going to signing up for film festivals and doing interviews and all. My role became less and less as a designer uh, and more and more as kind of like a CEO position, right? But the, the question is, is always in the back of my mind. I'm always thinking about it, and I, I have it formulated. I just need to really sit down and, and put all my heart into it because it's such a personal project mm -hmm. and it's got so many implications in terms of its scope. Uh, I mean, it's, it's asking the question of life itself. Why are we here? Um, who are we? You know, what makes us um, human, right? And what makes us who we are? And so, you know, what what's the meaning of life? And, and what defines life? All those things, right? So that's that's an exciting project and I'm, I'm, I just can't wait to start working on it. But unfortunately, it's been kind of pushed aside the fact that the archivist is what's, what's gathering attention right now. So. Mm -hmm. Jason, how crazy would that be is if they, this just popped in my brain, a, a VR with all those great old-time comedians. How cool would that be is if you could actually put on some VR headset and you're interacting with these guys. And, you know, you're, you're talking with Bob Hope or, um, I mean, I don't know, young Dana Carvey or Steve Martin or any of those dudes. Yeah, that could be cool. cool. Well, you know what's interesting is that my wife and I have talked about opening up like a restaurant that would be, I guess, uh, a pseudo comedy club where, you know, maybe Friday, Saturday nights there would be uh, a couple acts or some stand-up acts. But other than that, there would be where the stage is, a screen showing old comedians. You know? Oh, brilliant. I talked to a couple people about it, and, and they didn't seem to think that it would be a problem uh, putting those up. But imagine, so that's just another uh, brainstorm is to think of putting that uh, in a VR world, right? You get into the restaurant, you put on your VR goggles. I mean, I... Oh, dude. Oh, my God. Whoa, dude, so while you're, oh my god, that'd be crazy. So while you're waiting for your order to come to your table or something, you throw on your VR gla glasses and... Uh, you just hang out there and you're looking around and you see all these different comedians sitting in the seats. Yeah. Dude, that would be crazy too. Imagine too. Whoa, imagine too at the, at the at the restaurant. If if everybody at the table is wearing goggles and they look around and they're all looking like everyone can see the same kind of strange reality that's going on around them while they're chomping on yeah. their burger or whatever. Boy, oh boy. That would so be... Your food could be actually very unattractive, but you oh. make it in the VR world. Oh, yeah. That's it would true. Have to taste good. That would, you would definitely have to make sure it tastes. Oh yeah, yeah. It would, <laughs> you'd have to make sure it tastes good. That's right. That's right. Wow, that would be cool. Do you do you have any ideas for the names of uh, of that restaurant? Well, you know the only the only one that we've seen 
that is in downtown Plainfield, and uh, it's an old chapel that used to be, it was an old chapel from back in the 1800s, and then um, it became an Italian restaurant, and now it just sits vacant because there's so many issues with it, but uh, obviously, I, I know this sounds original, but the comedy chapel is what we were thinking. Oh, that would be great. Oh, that would be awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, very, <laughs> do you see where I came up with that? <laughs> Is there going to be an organ in there? One of those big organs? That would be awesome. Yeah, like at Second City, they've got the, the piano player, you could have someone just jamming on that organ. Well, and interestingly enough, actually, we've heard stories that it's uh, a haunted. Ooh, oh, dude, that's great. Could you imagine? You could actually have the ghosts of your favorite comedian performers. They are watching your act. You're like we got, we got the ghost of Don Rickles in the audience. Uh, we got, uh, dude, that would be great. Oh, there's Jack Benny. Hi, Jack. How you doing? There's Bob Hope over there. Hey, fellas. That would be awesome. The Comedy Chapel. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah, dude. And then you could MC it, and you could wear one of those collars, like the priest collar, while you're um, yeah. MCing. <laughs> Absolutely. That's right. Oh, right. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I could just be in my underwear. Yeah, you could just be in your underwear, but you put on your VR and you're wearing a three-piece suit. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Heck, everyone uh, could... Something about a priest in underwear. I just, I'm not <laughs> Priest in underwear. So a priest in his underwear walks into a bar. <laughs> Um, so, so Jason, do you have uh, other uh, other new um, uh, other new uh, things in the pipeline that you're uh, working on, or that are on its way, or places that you'll be performing soon? You know what? I really don't have anything lined up. I usually, with with stand up uh, being in the business long enough, I, I just kind of, if I'm ready to go up, I'll make a couple phone calls and get up on stage somewhere. That's great. You can just make a phone call and do that. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's like Johnny Depp's like, hey, you know, I think I want to be in a movie today. Huh? Let me go make a phone call. Yeah, can I be in your movie today? Sure. Come on over, Johnny. So uh, you can just make some phone calls and up on stage. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. Come on over. So, um... Okay, so what? How long can your comedy act? How 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 much material do you have at this point? I have about forty-five minutes. That is great. Holy cow! And then if you speak really really slow, you can stretch that to about three hours if you want. Easily, and it's much more entertaining that way. Yeah. Keep people's attention. Yeah. Well, you know. Oh yeah. The mono the 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 monotone society. I'm sure there's a. A group out there who would totally hire you for their monotone society to speak at their gathering. Jason, do you have tapes or like not tapes? Sorry, do you have like CDs or something or DVDs people can buy or anything like that? You know what? I I don't actually. I've never done a full album, and I don't know if that's mainly because of not doing it often enough. But uh, yeah, I dude. Don't. It's funny you said album because I was I was seriously imagining in my brain a vinyl. If you were to actually just put out your act on a on a vinyl, 
and you release it like that, it could be like one of those, you know, you got the cra- like the, you know, the crackles and the pops yeah. and the, oh, yeah. could sound like one of those old time comedy records. That could be fun. A little analog. Yeah, analog. Analog all the way. <laughs> now, now, Jason, do you ever wear um, wigs, uh, costumes, any of that, any of that such nonsense when you're on stage? I have. Normally, I would say I just go with, uh, you know, who I am, but mm-hmm. um, I, I, I've had a ton of time. I've, I've been a character a few mm-hmm. times just to try it out. Mm-hmm. I still, you know what, I'm also a part of a uh, uh, improv troupe through the uh, church that my wife and kids go to, and we do that every about six weeks, six to eight weeks, and it's the uh, whose line is it anyways uh, formula. And it's a black, I mean, it's fantastic. The, the people that are involved with it are hysterical. It's obviously kid-friendly, um, and we, just, we have a great time. It's awesome that you're keeping your brain um, in, in, in well, that you improv know, You know how education. many formats there are with improv, and uh, growing up and when I first got involved with it, I would, you know, work, we would do... Heck, what do we do? We would do not quite a herald, um, but uh, oh yeah, freeze, some switch, long, some long form. We oh right, right. Form, but I, I would say I would say my favorite is whose line is it anyways? Because you have a host that can kind of determine when it might be a good time to end the specific uh, scene. Oh, that's good. When you got someone who's on a watch like that, they know the rule of three. They can kind of tell. You know, like, okay, time's up. Time to move to the next thing. Yeah, if it's not going anywhere, I mean, that happens in improv sometimes. And uh, you love when the magic happens, and, it, and it's great, but so many times it can fall short, and it's nice to have someone to be like, all right, next, uh, let's do our next scene here. Well, and that improv skill, just keeping up with that, I mean, it's such such a valuable such valuable skill. I mean, just, just for interacting with just people out there, in the world and just all kind of life situations because if you're tapped into that improv mindset you can roll with the punches you can you, even if you got your mind set on a particular situation like oh yeah when i go to this concert i bet you it's going to be like this and it's going to be so much fun and then if something goes different y- you don't get as bent out of shape you can just kind of go okay you know you just kind of yes and your way along with with whatever's going on at that time and um oh man it just helps stretch your brain so well i just love improv so much and it's so great that you're you're keeping uh, Keeping your brain massaged with those great with those great skills. Well, well you know what, Kurt? What else is interesting is uh, Orly's give me permission to with some of the some of the voiceover to uh, improvise a little bit. And what's interesting, not only with with uh, uh, voiceovers, but also with stand-up, it's it's if it's set in stone or if there's a script written or I have my routine written out. It's more difficult for me to improvise, and um, so I, 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 and I really like the challenge that's come out of it to be like, all right, well, I got to figure out how to do a little bit of both, and uh, kind of play with it. I've done a little bit with uh, Orly, but uh, I plan on adding on to that as well. You know, Jason, it's so interesting because, like, you always hear about, well, at least I've heard through the years that comedians are terrible at you know just i guess just generally there's this idea that comedians are terrible at improv because comedians are so used to just flying solo being all by themselves up on stage they just depend on themselves they're used to just you know getting all the accolades sometimes it's hard for them to share the stage with other actors and what's so cool 
um, is that you, it sounds to me, from what I remember, you, you were into improv before you were into stand-up comedy, right? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I got into stand-up because, if you recall, one, a couple of the improv shows that we did, I mean, uh, we had some, some cast members that were difficult to uh, uh, count on. Yes, speak. yes. Yeah. So is that do you do you find that it's pretty cool to be able to go from that other side of it? Like first to have the improv skills and then to be up on stand up comedy and to know that those are always back there in your toolbox that you can utilize them at any point. Yeah. God, that is so so cool. It's so great too, because I'm sure like while you're up there you're able to read the audience and you know, kind of uh, uh, if you got a heckler or something, it's easier to kind of yes and your way around it. Orly, do you have uh, do you have any uh, improv uh, experience? No, absolutely not. I'm not. Um, I love comedians. Like one of my favorite comedians is Brian Regan. Uh, kind of his older stuff. Um, I absolutely love Brian. And he's a local guy. He's from from Florida here. Um, but yeah, not not necessarily. I, I I always find that I walk away from a situation and then I have like 20 jokes. So I'm not really good uh, at improv. Well, you can always plant um, people in the audience. Like, for instance, there's this new thing called laughing yoga. So I'm thinking if you just gather up some of those people at the local laughing yoga facilities and you plant those guys in the audience and you say, okay, guys, do what you do best. You're, you're going to be there for my stand-up comedy act. And you just have them just doubling over laughing hysterically. I think you'd be a big hit. Yeah, kind of like a soundtrack, right? Yeah. 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 That's very like Yeah. I think it... <laughs> yes. I was um, a for 10 years, and um, that's where I found that I could be, I've always wanted to be. <laughs> so the, the pulpit was a great place for it, because most, I'm not going to say most Christians, but a lot of Christians aren't used to um, someone going off the cuff and just kind of losing it in terms of, um, they never know what you're going to say, and I was that uh, preacher, right? Um, people just came because the fact that there was this limit, but I crossed a lot of lines that most people wouldn't be comfortable crossing. So um, I think I can do it. I think I might be able to do it. But you have a constant captive audience when you're preaching. Like everyone's really nice, you know. Uh, in comedy clubs, I think it might be a little different. I'm not sure though. Well, they're they're, they're ready to laugh for sure. I would yeah. say more difficult would be an open mic. If you go to an open mic, I mean, uh, they're not necessarily not laughing. They're just kind of observing or thinking about their own stuff. Yeah, that's right, because open mics are mostly filled with other comedians. So they're not, uh, a lot of times they're in their own head. They're, um, right? Because it's. I have even caught myself if, if someone says something hilarious, I don't laugh out loud. I just say in my head, oh, that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Well, you guys, we're um, near the end here. I have a, a, a song um, that I got to play that was sent in to me, so um, I should probably say sayonara to you guys. But thank you so much for being on the show, and uh, I'll save this archive. I'll upload it to Mixcloud. 
Um, I'll put in uh, links to the Facebook page. And also, Jason, if you got – oh, are you still doing your uh, hilarity grams, Jason? Yeah, the hilarity grams. I just think is such a good idea. Um, for any of you who live in the uh, Chicagoland area, if you want a hilarity gram, contact Jason McNeil, and he he'll uh, he'll surprise you. Absolutely, with several different characters, you can make up your own if you want. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's great. So people can can say, hey, I want the. Uh, you know the uh, the construction worker Snoopy to show up to my place, yeah. and you'll you'll. <laughs> that's that's great. That's great. Well, that's fantastic. All right, you guys. Well, uh, thanks so much for being on the show. It was so great that you're that uh, we got a chance to talk. Are there any other things that you want to plug before we? You know what? I would say too. Maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea to try and have us back on the show once the the game is up and up and running. And oh, absolutely. You know, every maybe every step of the way. Yeah. So interesting to me how fast this is kind of coming together, the archive at VR. Oh yeah, because uh, I love showing the process of stuff, so that'll be fun to see, to see how this stuff has uh, has evolved. Yeah. So yeah, just um, we have we're on Patreon. Um, we we want to be able just to kind of support this this project, and so if you visit um, Patreon, the Archivist VR, we're on Facebook. Just all you need to do is Google Archivist VR, and you'll be able to find all the different places that we're on. But yeah, so come check us out. It'd be great. All right, guys. Well, I'm glad the Skype worked out. My God, I'm so glad that this worked out. This is my first time doing two, having two people on at once. So it's it's such a joy that it that it worked for us. Cool. Thanks, yeah, Eric. Great. All right, you guys. I'll see you in. Uh, I'll see. I'll see you in virtual reality land before you know it. Take care. Bye. All right, folks. We are now going to play a song by. Uh, oh, by the way, at the top of the hour, I wanted to say I played a uh, a sound experiment called November by Wordland. That is uh, Brett Berman's project. Let's see which which microphone we on right now. Oh, oh, yeah, there it is. Uh, that's that's Brett Berman's project, aka PQ River. He's also um, got his own podcast, and he is part of the Nitroglycerin Pep Club, which we've played on the radio before. We also played, um, I believe, we also played. Oh yeah, Clowny Synth. It's called Clowny Synth by Brian Deville, one of our original uh, Inspirato Projecto co-hosts. We played that, and now we're gonna play a little thing here. Uh, called Man Behind the Machine. And f so far the title is V1524863508. So here we go with that. <laughs>
It's Mickey Dolan's here. You're listening to Inspirado Projecto. Hi, this is Jay Ossing from Twin Peaks The Return. You're listening to Inspirado Projecto. Here's your fun fact. Gone with the Wind is the highest grossing movie of all time when adjusted for inflation. Stay tuned to Inspirato Projecto for more fun facts.
and you're listening to Inspirado Projecto. Folks, what you just heard there was a song called Chewing Gum by Bucket. Our buddy Joe Magaha out there in Twitterverse, uh, he, he put that together. We also heard a song by Man Behind the Machine. Uh, oh boy, what else? What else do we have there? What else do we have? Some just some other wonderful people. Other wonderful people. Um, yeah, I think that's it for today's show, ladies and gentlemen. Keep stock of all those uh, synchronicities. Um, keep your eyes on the deja vu's. Write down your dreams. Just. You know, basically just do whatever you can to just keep the uh, keep the good vibes flowing. Keep that pre- precipitation moving and grooving. And uh, you'll be very surprised by these, uh, by, by these circumstances showing up in your life. All right. Having said that, we say sayonara until next time, which is the, what is that, the 21st, May 21st. May 21st. Oh, and happy belated... May the fourth be with you. By the way, happy belated on that. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna uh, swoop back in here with the last little giblet, and we'll say goodbye. And uh, remember, there's a podcast, Inspirato Projecto podcast. Chances are there'll be a lot of those popping up between here and the in the next uh, episode. All right, see ya. <laughs>